I started taking my own personal development into my own hands and um, kind of just having like virtual mentors, you know, like, it works. yes, it does. <laughs> and we're so fortunate to live in this time where we could do that. Welcome to Behind the Number, where we are bridging the gap between personal development and athletics. Each week, we'll either have an athlete, a coach, a psychologist, a social worker, or even just me dropping gems about my findings. I'm your host, Akela Hughes. Let's get into the show. Guys, welcome back to Behind the Number. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. So each week, you'll be up to date with everything we have going on. First and foremost, I hope everyone is staying safe during COVID-19. I really send prayers to everyone who's been affected by it and hope everyone just stays home until this passes over. But needless to say, hopping into today's episode, we have Taj Deshaun. And guys, this episode was amazing. We talked about why he started sports in the first place, why he decided to stay, his whole life a transformation moving from California to New York. And then of course, dealing with the digital age and how he's helping athletes transition to life after sports. Without further ado, guys, here is Taj Deshaun. Hey Taj, how you doing? Thank you for joining Behind the Number. Thank you for having me, Zakayla. It's a pleasure. I've become a fan of the podcast ever <laughs> since I found out about it. So I'm happy to be on the share. Thank you. Thank you. So let's hop right into it. Okay. Let's take it back to your childhood. Tell everyone basically how you got into sports. I fell in love with football at 10 years old, honestly. Um, I played a few other sports before that, but I think I was just kind of a bad kid. And I liked the idea that I could hit somebody and not get in trouble for it. But nobody encouraged you. Nobody started like, hey, I think you should go into football. And what made Um, you stay? (laughs) <laughs> that's I the think, big well, question like well I wasn't good at first what made me stay honestly that's a funny story because my mom when I first wanted to play she was like I don't know I think you're too soft to play football and I'm like what excuse <laughs> me this is me at 10 years old right so um we laugh about it now but my mom told me that she said that just to make sure that I was really about it mm. like to make sure like she was testing me to see how I would respond and she told me you know you better hit them before they hit you. Otherwise, I'm going to run out on the field and I'm going to hit somebody. So okay. that's my mom. <laughs> so, right. So I, I definitely give her a lot of credit for me staying in it because um, mm-hmm. I wasn't very good, you know, at 10 years old. I didn't know anything about the game, but obviously I got better and was able to get a scholarship, you know, mm-hmm. after high school. So, yeah, that's what made me stay in it. I didn't want to let mom down. Well, that's nice. Is <laughs> <laughs> it true? So, true. All right. So when you decide to stay in it, when did it start? When was the moment it switched from being a hobby to, okay, this can be the avenue or the vehicle I could take to get into college? Mm, I think it was, it got serious for me probably around 11 or 12 when I saw, uh, I was watching Remember the Titans and I was like, that's wait a minute, that's a classic, right? <laughs> it's such that's a classic. classic. I was like, you can get a scholarship? Like you, someone will pay for you to go to college to play football? So right around like, you know, middle school, around seventh or eighth grade, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm trying to ball out in high school. My eye was already on getting a scholarship at that point. And then on top of that, my cousin, he's about five years older than me. Mm-hmm. He, um, he played safety at Cal. So around the time where I was just getting into high school, he was graduating high school and had all these offers and was heading off to Cal. So I'm like, 
once you see it and know that it's possible, I'm mm-hmm. like, I got to get that too, you know? Nice. So were you curious as to how he got the offers? Did you make that step to ask him, like, how do I do this? Or how well do I have to be? How do I get looked at by coaches? Because recruitment is crazy. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's, we could probably do a whole different episode on the recruiting process. Um, but I think, I mean, you know, he was five years older than me. So he's going mm-hmm. off to college. I'm just starting high school. We weren't really in touch like that. Um, but I mean, the concept was pretty simple to me. I, I went to all his games. I watched him ball out. And because of that, he got offers. Okay. So me, yeah, <laughs> and it does simple. sound pretty simple when you say it. It's much more complex, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you really get into it, it mm-hmm. is. But I understood the concept from a distance just watching him ball. So, yeah. Nice. So on the flip side of that, we're talking about, we were talking about scholarships, getting in the athletic part of it. Do you think you were mm-hmm. prepared throughout high school for like personal development wise going into college because you got the scholarship now now going into college is a whole different beast I was completely unprepared completely in so many different ways number one I never really been outside of you know my little bubble of Southern California Mm -hmm. so for me to go to Stony Brook University way out on the east coast it was culture shock at first you know um thankfully I had a lot of good people who have my back and you know brought me in and treated me like family like Mm -hmm. we just talked about some of those people but um it's yeah the whole process plus I was used to being the man in high school right and Mm -hmm. then I go out there and you're just another number so the same coaches that were over my house eating dinner with the family and and showing me love and you know calling me after practice now they're screaming in my face just like whoa I was not prepared for this (laughs) so yeah that's a recruitment process that they failed to tell you about Right. Even the recruiting, because I know you talk a lot about this, but even the recruiting process itself was crazy for me. You know, aside from my cousin, who I wasn't really super in communication with like that, mm-hmm. um, I had never seen it happen before. Like my folks didn't go to college, so mm-hmm. we didn't know what was going on. It was right. it was a crazy process. Just the whole recruiting thing was like a whirlwind and we didn't know what we were doing. We were just happy that someone was willing to pay me to go to school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it was a culture shock for you, but how was it for your parents? having you go literally across country? So I thought it was going to be really rough on my mom, but it was, my mom told me this. I don't even know if I'm supposed to release this information, but my mom told me that on the flight back, my dad was breaking down and crying. Like the fact that, you know, his son was grown up and and in college now. So, I mean, they were obviously it must be I can only imagine being in their shoes like must be weird to have your son on the other side of the country at the same time they were proud and Mm -hmm. you know they tried to get out there to to see me play as much as possible so it was cool what was I guess the thing that revealed to you what you need to grow like if you need Mm. to grow mentally if you need to grow like emotionally what what was it about this experience that you were like wow I need to work on my mental health or something yeah that's such a great question obviously um that honestly didn't shift for me until like my junior senior year like I can't honestly say I started maturing until around then because that whole initial shock of getting there and Mm -hmm. not being the man anymore and you know just dealing with the coaches and the way they were with players especially in a sport like football where it's almost like the military you know just the screaming and cussing you out and all that kind of stuff was not something I was accustomed to. So it really, like, when I look back, like, junior or senior year was really around the time where I'm like, okay, 
you know, it is what it is. I'm in this situation. I still have to make the best of it. I'm getting my education paid for it. Let me be grateful for that. And let me make sure that no matter, you know, how the coaches are approaching me, that I'm treating myself with respect and carrying myself with dignity. And I'm putting the work in at all times to make sure I'm doing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. So um, the shift didn't happen till late. I took a while to grow up, like, to be honest with you. It's all right. Then, <laughs> I understand. It doesn't happen as fast for everyone. Right. I was a late bloomer in the maturity department for sure. I'm still working on it. I'm coming up on 30 and I'm still working on life is a growing process. Okay. Exactly. Keep working. Exactly. So what core values did you develop then junior and senior year? Your personal Mm -hmm. values? Um, Discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, Accountability is huge. I'd Mm -hmm. say accountability encompasses any other like description I could give to you right now because like, un- like, for example, discipline falls under accountability. Mm-hmm. Like, for me to be accountable, I got to be disciplined. So, um, and it was just with everything, too, not just with on the field, but even managing my own mind state, mm-hmm. right? Like, making sure I'm keeping myself in a positive state of mind, making sure that I'm able to kind of tune out the external forces or mm-hmm. external voices and make sure the loudest voice in my head is my own at all times. Um, yeah, if I had to sum it up, though, I would definitely say, like, uh, core values, accountability, for sure. Being holding myself accountable, being mm-hmm. disciplined, um, taking care of business. So you say like not letting the external factors get to you. So what, what, and who did you surround yourself with? Because you know sur- who you surround yourself with has a lot to do with where you're going. Whether people admit it or not, it affects you. You know, absolutely. So who did you like surround yourself with? What if you listen to motivational speakers like my? My guy is Eric Thomas. Like, I love Eric Thomas. Oh, I love you. So, so, like, who did you, like, what was in your vision or your view to keep you on track? For sure. E.T. was definitely one of them. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have some some guys who graduated before me who are kind of mm-hmm. getting out to the real world who are, like, big bros and just put me on game to a lot of things. Like, mm-hmm. um, I used to love reading before I started playing football. And then, you know, once you become a jock, you just kind of, like, you just read just so you can stay eligible, you know, so, or have somebody <laughs> else read for Yeah, exactly. Um, but I really rediscovered my love for reading once I was done playing. And I had mm-hmm. some teammates who graduated before me who were like, hey, you need to read this book. You need to check mm-hmm. this out. So right around my senior year, um, I was just getting all these, like, number one, they were the people who I was surrounding myself with. Mm-hmm. But like you said, people like Eric Thomas. Um, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that had me, that flipped my mindset. Yeah. So I started reading all this stuff and I started taking my own personal development into my own hands and um, kind of just having like virtual mentors, you know, like, it works. We're, yes, it does. <laughs> and we're so fortunate to live in this time where we could do that and, and mm-hmm. have people like just by watching their interviews or listening to, you know, some of their, their audios or podcasts or reading their books, you can just soak up game and learn from these people agreed agreed so let's go back to high school and because mm-hmm. you're sp- speaking on personal development what do you think could have been included in high school as it relates to personal development in order to help you get to college like i know being a high school athlete period you're not really thinking about personal development as hardcore as we are at 28 and 29 you know right right. but what do you think could have been implemented at that level in addition to the athletic experience as it is now Mm, that's a great question that's why I love what you do because I know your focus is on that area yeah yeah (laughs) I think um 
I think kind of as far as personal development, I think just really having intentional guidance, like people who can, because there's so much attention on us being athletes at that level, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why I know that's why you do what you do. That's why you have the podcast and all that. But I think that there can be a lot more intentional work on developing the human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have used, for example, just guidance from someone who had been through the recruiting process or kind of educating me on the process as it went along. Um, perspective. And I think, exactly, perspective, just checking in about mental health too, you know. Um, it was funny, like, one of my one of my teammates his, in high school, his mom was a nurse, and I remember she was, like, driving us to practice one day, mm-hmm. and she was, like, and we were stressed out, like, tense about all this stuff, all the hours, even at the high school level, and she's, like, you guys should have, like, stress tests and stuff like that to make sure you're okay, mm-hmm. and we laughed at it back then, like, yeah, right, like, they're going to stress test us. But then looking back, like, man, she was on to something. She was on to you know, something. Because <laughs> you was think ahead about of time. everything, you know, student-athletes handle. Because when you think of the student-athlete, you think of academics and athletics. But a lot of times, mm-hmm. people forget to include friendships, relation, high school relationships, you know, economic situation. Maybe they have a side job. So there's so many other factors that go into it that when they come to class or they come to practice, it's just like, Maybe I'm not in the mood today because I have 20 other things that I have to do. And you're telling me to be strong and suck it up. Right, right, right. Well said. Yeah. So That's a great point. So personal development goes a lot into now what you're doing now. You've been through the high school Mm -hmm. process as an athlete, the college process as an athlete. So you have so much perspective when it comes to this. And like you said earlier, you know, speaking to people that have graduated and giving you feedback gave you... I guess some sense of direction to go. So before we hop into your business, I have one question. What was your transition process like out of high school and out of college and how were they different? Hmm. So out of, well, okay, I'll tell you how they're similar before I tell you how they were different. They were similar because in both cases, I had no idea what was waiting for me on the other side. I thought I had an idea from Mm -hmm. high school to college and from college to the real world, I thought I had an idea. But once I was actually going through it, I was like, man, I was not only completely unprepared for this, but there were so many things going on that I didn't know how to deal with. So mm. that's how they were similar. As far as how they were different, I think um, I think high school to college, I knew, okay, I'm going to college, you know, I'm going to get an education and I'm going to play football, pretty mm-hmm. cut and dry. From college to, you know, life after sport or life after college, there was... I have no idea what I'm doing. I know I need to make some money. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really know what my interests are. Um, Yeah, You just said something about interests, right? So Mm -hmm. throughout the whole student-athlete journey, time is so spread thin, right? Especially when you go to practices, games, academics. What time do you really have to explore on the interests? Like, let's say I like to go, like to paint or like to just do other stuff. What time is really allotted, especially for student athletes who actually play a sport year round, AAU, mm-hmm. all this stuff. So I wonder, that's interesting too. Yeah, Preach, you said it. There's really no time, honestly. Um, and I know certain, a lot of universities are doing a better job of that mm-hmm. now, but I mean, you know, talking about almost around 10 years ago at this point, it wasn't yeah. really, they're not really doing, they weren't really, and I know some places really aren't doing the best job of mm-hmm. making sure you're set up. Um, and I also think it's kind of difficult to do that because at the time you're done playing and you're about to graduate, 
all the resources are going towards the current players, the incoming freshmen. Mm-hmm. They don't really have time to invest in you anymore. Like you're no longer valuable to the team. Right. So good luck to you out there. Bundle <laughs> up. It's the cold world. Right. But how valuable would it really be if let like I said, personal development was included on the high school level. Now, when you're recruiting, you're not just recruiting because of athletic ability or academics, as some athletes have really great grades. You're recruiting as, okay, this person is a good person. You know, mm-hmm. their character speaks a lot about who they will be on this team, the asset they'll be too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you touched on this earlier and, and that really is so important because like one of the things when I was being recruited, all the high school coaches would say to the, the college coaches who recruited me, they'd be like, you know, he's, he comes from a good family. He has like good mm-hmm. character. So for the students who, like you were saying earlier, have trouble at home mm-hmm. or maybe just have some kind of issue going on that they need to deal with some kind of trauma. There, there needs to be something like put in place to help these players so that they can get over these internal blocks or whatever and mm-hmm. be developed so that they can, you know, not just for benefiting whoever's recruiting them, but, for themselves, for their families. Yeah. And this reminds me of, um, you probably did watch it, Netflix series, Last Chance You. I love it. Okay, cool. So (laughs) this reminds me of this show so much because as these student athletes are in this transition process of trying to, you know, get to the next level, it's so Mm -hmm. much that they uncover about who they are personally that it's just like, yo, who's concentrating on developing the person the aspect of the student athlete that's broken in a sense you know the whole series follows okay what you do in the field academics yeah some of like what's going on but for I think it would have been cool for them to have like a class to just be like all student athletes unmask themselves like look home is crazy right now or I don't understand this class because it's little points of I guess was it affirmation from people Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that you know makes them feel a little better i remember i forgot the name of the kid but he was in this class i think it was english class and he got got something right and she's just like oh good job see you're getting it and his whole attitude just shifted you know just from Mm -hmm. basically saying like in a sense you're enough so i think that's you're talking about like bobby i think so bobby wagner and the teacher miss pinker she was my favorite the english teacher she's she's a legend yeah, she She's is. A legend. That series just it came to my mind when you said that because I'm like, a lot of the athletes that were on that show, they all had underlying issues that had nothing to do with athletics. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like nothing. Exactly. Okay. You get a scholarship, you go to these huge schools. Okay. At that level, most of the time in the collegiate level, like you speak to a counselor or something when a problem is like in your face mm-hmm. now oh, i'm depressed okay fine we'll, we'll get you a count. like you have to say it or they have to recognize it right. it's not like a preventative factor exactly and then in reality how many people are really stepping up and saying i need help which like, goes against the whole stigma of a student athlete like <laughs> you said it exactly right. you gotta be but, tough yeah i wouldn't okay. have done it in college and i was going through a lot See, i wouldn't have stepped up and asked for help the most like in college, the most, yeah, no, no, athletes didn't. <laughs> Not at my <laughs> Not school. At... They spoke to like us, like the people who were around them, like girlfriends or whatever, but not, mm-hmm. no, can't even picture an athlete going up to a head coach and be like, look, I'm 
I'm struggling right now. And there's, that's probably fear of like, okay, well, maybe this guy, maybe this guy or this this girl is not equipped to play then. Because if you if you're going to do something, maybe we need to put someone else in your spot. I think that's usually the mentality. Yeah. Which because in their eyes, it's like, oh, you can't handle the pressure. Right. Now that you're out, we talked about your whole experience and your perspective on things. Now you're helping other athletes transition. So tell right. us what that process is about. Like from beginning to end, what's that process about? Um, the process is kind of like everything we've been talking about is helping them discover what it is that they want to do outside of athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people who, you know, there's a lot of what I noticed when I came out um, of college was that there were a lot of resources that can help you get a job. For example, companies that'll be like, hey, we got these five jobs for you. Zakela, which one do you want? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I had those companies approach me and I think they're doing a great service to kind of get you your first job or experience. But one thing I noticed is nobody spent time with me to actually help me, first of all, cope with this loss of identity that I was experiencing. Oh, and good. and then secondly, um, nobody was there or there was no one available that I saw to actually help me figure out what I wanted to do aside mm-hmm. from just getting a paycheck. Right. So fast forward after I kind of got my feet wet and started having some career success, um, I realized that I wanted to do something to help former athletes, basically to kind of go back in time and be the person that I needed in my corner when I was going through mm. the transition. Yeah. So that's what it's about. That's what I'm doing. Um, I kind of break it down into like three components. The first step is helping a former athlete, like I said, deal with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was developing my curriculum, I consulted with a lot of um, clinical psychologists and people who are experts in this field. So I can make sure that I knew what I was talking about, number one. Um, and then helping them get to a point where they can even function again. Because before I come to somebody and say, hey, let's figure out what you're going to do. Let's, you know, let's carve out this new path for you. We need to get past certain things that may be holding you back or certain things that you're experiencing, um, you know, negative emotions and things Mm -hmm. like that. Getting back into the swing of things, even like working out, you know, kind of getting those habits back in place where you're taking good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then once we once we got that point taken care of, then it's about helping them find clarity around what it is that they want to do. Um, like I said, bigger than just a paycheck, uh, I'm more than happy to help someone get a job if they need to pay bills, but we're really looking like long-term, right. you know, what are you, what are you going to be excited about in your future? Um, so how do ahead. you, sorry. So how do you get like an athlete to open up? I think first of all, sharing my experience, I try mm. to put out as much content as possible. Um, you know, I have a podcast. The podcast is called Thrive After Sports. Mm-hmm. The same thing as my program. But I put out a lot of content about my experience and give a lot of advice around what to do in the, in the phase of that transition and how to find clarity. Especially so, on Instagram. My, You're super transparent. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that's how I think people either get referred to me because I've worked with them. And they'll be like, hey, this guy, you know, Taj really helped me. Or they'll see my content and be like, yeah, this guy's talking about exactly what I'm going through. So by the time we connect, they already know that I understand it from mm-hmm. a big picture perspective. And then they're willing to kind of open up and, and talk about it with me. So is it an ongoing process? Like you continue to, you know, stay in communication or is it like? Yeah. So the curriculum that I was talking about, which is mm-hmm. getting past the, you know, the hurdles that they're going through getting back in control, figuring out what they want to do, and then executing on it and connecting them with other, that's a part I left out. I connect them with other former athletes who are doing what what they're looking to get into Mm -hmm. so they can have more mentors and ongoing mentorship. Um, That process is eight weeks, but I'm I'm always very, 
intentional about telling people, like even do even though we're doing eight weeks together, like anybody who works with me, they have my cell phone number, right? So right. any anytime they need support afterwards, it's not eight weeks and then good luck to you out there. It's like <laughs> eight weeks. <laughs> That'd be kind of rough. <laughs> That'd be called, huh? Like, all right, you're done. <laughs> like, sorry. Right. <laughs> um, cool. But yeah, so they go they go through the eight weeks, and then after that you know, any kind of support I can provide for them. I'm making sure I'm doing that or putting them in touch with other people who can. Right, right. Have you ever come across like an athlete where you had to do some serious soul searching for yourself to help them out? Yeah, it's, that's kind of what I love about this too, because as much as I'm helping these people um, and, you know, helping them with personal development or just finding clarity, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of, I learn a lot about myself you know, because each time it's kind of like going back and um, like I said, working with like myself when mm-hmm. I was going through that period. So whenever I'm working with somebody, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of get unique, different angles and, and understand different things that I might have overlooked and learn a lot about myself through the process. Nice. So would you say your, I guess your favorite part of this whole thing and your whole business and helping athletes is the, I guess the ability to unmask and really be vulnerable with someone else that understands your experience understood your experience yeah i think so i think i think um i mean i enjoy the whole process to be uh, honest with clearly you. uh clearly. but like <laughs> but the beginning like you said to your point is yeah i do enjoy like the fact that you know people will tell me after the first the first session or even our first like call when they reach out mm-hmm. it's just like yeah i'm thank you for this i needed this because i feel like the people around me don't really understand it so, and then the second part obviously is once we move forward in the process and they're starting to discover, oh, I'm excited about this. Like, wow, I never thought about this before. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to go this route and this is how I'm going to do it. And, you know, that's exciting to see when someone kind of lights up because I was missing that for so long. And until right. I started doing this, then I got that feeling back through helping other people. So that's always good to see someone else rediscover that feeling of excitement that mm-hmm. they had with their sport. That's awesome. So, one last question before we wrap this up. So we went through high school, we went through college, and we went through your business of helping um, athletes, right? But if you were to go all the way back, what would you tell your younger self before the whole experience started? When you was like, I think I'm going to do football, what would you tell your younger self? That's such a great question. I would tell my younger self to make sure that you're looking at yourself as bigger than an athlete. You know, um, make sure that you're under, you don't get too attached or wrapped up in your identity as an athlete. Like, for example, I told you, I used to stop, I used to read. And then when I started playing football, books just kind of took a back seat. Right. And I'm like, I'm a jock now. I can't be walking around reading <laughs> books and that, stuff. You, you picked it back up? Reading? Reading? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, all the time. I was just wondering. All the time. <laughs> all the time, for okay. sure. For sure. So, yeah, I would definitely tell myself to keep being, you know, don't get too wrapped up in the identity as Taj the football player and make sure that you're still doing other things like it's cool to be a football player who reads all the time you know what I mean so I I would definitely just give that advice so I said last question but I actually do have one more question (laughs) okay (laughs) so right now in this moment we're experiencing like a pandemic something that you know will go in history books for reflecting our generation so what which advice would you give a student athlete right now whose schedule is completely shaken up by, you know, increased homework assignments due to virtual learning, but lack of practice and games? 
like seniors maybe that this was their last chance or maybe freshmen that this was, you know, mid-season or something. What advice would you give them? Man, that's, and as you would imagine, I'm having a lot of these conversations now with seasons being canceled and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. So um, the advice I would give to people, just anybody, whether you're coming back for another season or like this is the end of the road for you athletically, my advice would be to utilize this time because I know it's difficult, especially if your last season was canceled, but this is important for you to understand that you have nothing but time now to map out the next stages of your life, right? right? And sports last for us. I mean, there's an expiration date on anybody, even if you would have played to a 30, 40 years old, it has an expiration date. And there's a lot of life to be lived once you hang up the jersey. Mm-hmm. And I would say to start really thinking long-term, not just like what your next job is going to be, but really start thinking about what you want to do um, for the rest of your life, you know, and not necessarily what you want to do, but how you want to live. I mm. think that's a more important question to ask because sometimes we can get lost in what we want to do. Like what's going to be on our business card. Right. What are we going to tell the family? We're working at this company, but how do you actually want your life to be structured? Um, and what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Legacy. That's a big one. It's for me too. <laughs> I think one. about it every day. As yeah. you should. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast again. And tell everyone where they can find you really fast. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I knew we were going to have a good conversation like we always do. <laughs> right. Uh, but you can find me at tajdeshawn.com. Um, all, my, all the links to my social media. I'm Taj Deshawn everywhere. On my website, uh, there's a place under contact or get coaching or one of the two where you can actually schedule time to speak with me. Nice. So if you need some guidance, if you're just looking for, um, you know, just somebody to kind of understand what you're going through and help you figure out the next steps, I'm available to you. So reach out. Don't hesitate to reach out on my website or anywhere else. Awesome. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. <laughs> thank you very much. As usual, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you got some valuable information from Todd. I'll make sure to throw all his notes and um, contact information in the show notes. Subscribe, leave a comment, let me know what your biggest takeaway was, and I'll see you guys next week.